Hi and welcome to the Psyche Podcast where we discuss all things mindset, mental well-being and living your best life. I'm your host Hannah and I'm a mindset and mental well-being coach and founder of Psyche Coaching. Welcome and we hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to the Psyche Podcast. How is everybody? Hope you had a good week and I'm really excited to bring you this episode which is a little bit different I guess because we're getting a bit more into spiritual well-being this week. So a couple of weeks ago as you may know if you're a regular listener I hosted a virtual well-being event and we broke well-being into four pillars physical, emotional, social and spiritual and we dived into some yeah some slightly different areas for the podcast because I guess my my approach tends to be quite psychological quite scientific and I do have a spiritual side to me but it's something that we yeah occasionally delve into and so this week's episode we are joined by Claudia who is kind of bridging that um divide I guess between the kind of psychological approach and spiritual in the way that she works so we have a really interesting conversation about how she works and then we dive into yoga ayurveda spiritual practices that kind of stuff so it's a really interesting conversation we have i hope you enjoy it so let's dive into that conversation and i'll chat to you after hi everyone i'm super excited to welcome this week's guest claudia to the podcast claudia welcome and if you could introduce yourself to the listeners and tell us a little bit about you that would be great yeah hi hannah i am claudia carvajal benaglio and uh, I live in Dallas, uh, Texas, and I, I am a student of counseling, uh, clinical mental health counseling. I am in my last year doing practicum and internship, so it's three years. It has been amazing, and I also run a company. It's called Inner Wellbeing, and through there, I do life coaching. I started around five years ago. I do coaching, consulting on um, psychology, life guidance, and I incorporate a lot of yoga, uh, yoga philosophy mostly, you know, uh, Eastern philosophies and uh, the health aspects of yoga. So that's, that's in a nutshell what I'm doing. And before that, I was a lawyer and international human rights, international corporations. I did so many things in 13 years. But I don't talk about that anymore because I'm not practicing law right now anymore. Yeah. There's a lot that I'd love to dive into about how you work now and things you do. But I'm really interested about the the shift from practicing law into this counseling, psychology, holistic approach. Was there anything in particular that prompted that move? Yes, I think uh, we all have some uh, crossroads in life, you know, always every human being has or almost everybody where uh, you uh, go through one path and you dedicate your career to that and sometimes uh, either you are not satisfied or it's not rewarding as you thought, maybe it's not so much the field but the environment, the corporate environment. And, you know, lawyers work long hours and I saw myself in an office uh, from son to son uh, working 60 hours a week, uh, 
10, 11 hours a day. And I really enjoyed it. It gave me very good skills. And uh, me being from uh, Mexico City, I loved learning very technical English, formal English, and I really learned so many things, great things. The law, fantastic, helping people. But I was tired, you know, I was exhausted and I felt like even when I liked it, I was not giving the best of me because I, I was not passionate. And I, I was passionate about helping people, but not about the environment. You know, it's, it can be a very competitive environment. People are very stressed out. Uh, they don't really enjoy life. There's no time to, for lunch almost, you know, always rushing, eating in your desk and no vacation. So I just wanted to take a break. And some things didn't happen for me in the legal field. So I was trying to plan plan to grow in certain directions and it didn't happen. So there were too many signals. I listened to the signals of the universe, so to speak, a lot. And I thought, uh, when you try so hard, there is something that is telling you this is not your way. Mm. And it's very hard for people sometimes to change careers or change jobs or fields because they think it's unthinkable. They think it's something bad, like I invested all these years. So mm. I also coach people on that, on career choices, career change, life changes, because I went through it. And the best thing I could have done in my life is just to change, take a break, take a sabbatical, recap in your life, you know, recap, where am I right now? Uh, where do I want to go from here? Have I changed since I was 20 when I entered this career? Of course we change, we, we evolve. So it's amazing just to help people with that too, you know, to, through that transition. So that's what I did. I just had the courage to say, I'm going to explore something else. You know, this has to be, uh, this is not the only thing in life. And I took a year and a half off. Uh, I applied for other jobs that I was looking at. And that's how I got in, in the field that I'm right now, which is working with nonprofits. Amazing. I think you're so right that we changed throughout our lives. And this idea that what we wanted to do when we were 20 is going to be the same throughout our whole life you know, we, we change as people through the experiences that we have. And I think that like you did taking a step back and being able to reflect on what's working, what's not, and, and try other things is, is a really good thing to do to just see, is it still aligned with, with who I am? And now you've moved into something that sounds like it's, it really suits you that you're really passionate about. Um, so I'd love to, to get into that a bit more and, and how you blend this psychological clinical work with the more holistic eastern methodologies that you're using and, and how that works yeah so i was always interested in eastern philosophies and yoga i remember when i was very young reading a lot of magazines and books on buddhism and yoga philosophy and at that time it was probably the early 1980s um, i was younger and I really liked it. I, it was like, it resonated with me, but I didn't think about dedicating my life to that. I didn't, I didn't even know that you could, you could make a living out of that field. You know, I thought it was just like, a, I believe a philosophy or a, a religion. And I put it aside a little and I went to study law 
and then I continued uh, reading, you know, here and there and, and being interested in yoga and Buddhism and all of that. But then I got so busy with my career that I really didn't dedicate a lot of time to that. But when I took that sabbatical that I told you, I thought this is the perfect time to re recap and go back to where my heart is, where's my passion. So, of course, I always worked all my life since I graduated from law school. And I, I like working. I like contributing uh, either uh, you can contribute at home or outside of home, right? But I, mm -hmm. I happen to contribute in the community. And I started searching, talking to a lot of people about nonprofit work. And I made the transition. I started working for the International Rescue Committee. It's, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with them, mm -hmm. but it's, yeah. yeah, it's a worldwide organization, a refugee resettlement agency, and they have refugee camps all over the world mm -hmm. and offices. So I got in and it was a one year contract. So I took it as an opportunity to switch to learn right, and to try to apply my legal skills to this field. So I went on to work on health and wellness, helping refugees with their health needs, medical needs, psychology counseling. So when I was helping psychologists, psychiatrists to, to actually, I was translating in, uh, from English to Spanish and vice versa during consultations or counseling sessions with psychologists, I was amazed at how much you can help people one-on-one -on -one like that. So I made the transition. I said, this is it. This is what I love. I prefer to help people like this more than being in an office drafting pleadings, motions, and going to court, which is great. You know, I could do it again. But this was like my heart was calling me to this. Mm -hmm. So I just listened to, to my heart. And I, I, I researched, I investigated and I thought, well, how can I make the best use of this transition of this passion that I really always had, but now I am really digging into it with this break that I took, and I'm so glad I did it. So a lot of people said, well, why don't you do a degree in mental health counseling, like a master's, you know, three years go by very fast. And it was incredible. Uh, it's the best thing I ever did in my life. It teaches you not only to, to recognize uh, pain, suffering, emotions in others, but in yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, they really train you in my program to, to go yourself through all the process of, of uh, mental awareness, self-awareness, health, mental health. And so I grew tremendously during these past five years, amazing. And that also inspired me to start this company. So it just happened organically that I, I, I am just uh, integrating all my skills and I'm in my, in my mid-40s and I worked so many in so many areas in the legal field, including human rights, helping immigrants, refugees. So now the mental health aspect, uh, mm -hmm. I incorporated all of these with life coaching right now and, uh, and yoga. So then uh, I studied yoga, I became a yoga certified teacher and I went to India and I studied uh, a few courses on basic Ayurveda and yoga. And mm -hmm. I'm here in the United States. I got uh, certifications as well. Amazing. Also, you know, it was like uh, incorporating also here the natural um, uh, complementary therapies of yoga and Ayurveda. 
it's amazing the, the kind of blend and like you said how it's just um all come together and and i think when you uh, you took the role at the the irc the you had your skills from the area you're already working in and you found a way to still use those but to try something different and to branch out and then through that found something that suddenly you were like yes this is this is a thing for me and and i think this isn't a, a career episode that we're talking about, but I suppose that's a really valuable thing if people are thinking about, oh, I want to change career, but my experience is all in one particular area. If they can make a sidestep into something a bit different and use the skills they have and then open up opportunities from that to, to try out different things. Um, so if you were working with someone in um, clinical practice or um, in coaching, is it a very unique process that you use with each person that you just draw from whatever they need? Or do you have a, I guess, a typical way of working with people? Yes. Well, r right now I have been working through my company, Inner Wellbeing, through life coaching. Uh, because until I'm licensed, you know, I, I finish my degree, my counseling degree. Uh, I'm not a, a professional mental health, so I have mm -hmm. to be very careful with drawing the, the very clear, clear line with people who I see. So my company is very small, it's just me and I'm starting slowly and because mm -hmm. I'm working full time and starting full time, I haven't had a, a lot of time to dedicate, but, but yes, I have been seeing people um, coaching uh, either through phone or online like this mm -hmm. and a few in person on mostly on the weekends when I have time. So to answer your question, um, Tell me your question again. I yeah, kind of it, <laughs> it was uh, whether you just uh, you know draw on everything that you've learned to yeah. work individually with someone, or whether you have a sort of typical way of, of working. Yes, yes, thank you. So uh, through life coaching, what I do is that I just I want to be very natural. I try to to make people feel comfortable in a safe place. And I approach it through the, the mind. In my, in my uh, practice, everything is, uh, the problem comes from the mind. And that is where the psychology comes in and uh, mental health and everything. And I also bring, um, incorporate spiritual aspects of it. And sometimes people get a little uh, hesitant to go into a spiritual path or spiritual approaches to mental health. But it's, it's really a misconception because we are all spiritual. We were born spiritual. That means that we are connected to a source. You don't have to believe in any religion, in any specific religion, or practice any specific religion. You can actually not believe in anything and be spiritual. Mm -hmm. So there is a wide range of things that you can express yourself through your spirituality. And I really believe that the mental health field is lacking this spiritual aspect of us which is our soul our spirit and some people don't believe in that but uh, i respect that but i do and many people do too and there are actually a lot of practices in eastern philosophy that teach it teach you how to connect with your soul with your spirit um, in india's called atman in um in uh 
Christianity is called spirit or soul, and English is called soul. So all religions of the world refer to these. So what is this? What is this soul, this spirit that makes human beings so unique? We are the only species in the world that can have the awareness to, to ask these questions. Like who I am, who am I, who are who I am really inside, what is my soul? So the connection between your mind, your soul, and your body is amazing. Is the three bodies that are spoken about in Indian philosophy. The, the causal body is your soul. That's what it is. And it's completely unknown in the West. You know, we don't talk about it, not even in medicine or mental health. But now it's changing a little bit. I think more people are incorporating um, this, this slowly. Uh, but is there is a lot of fear to do it because it's not really part of psychiatry psychology but I do I mean it's part of who I am and um, I actually want to work with people who are ready to mm -hmm. do that who are looking for that who are trying to reach that soul inside of them that that space that self-awareness consciousness this is all the same It's the same name for the same thing your soul your spirit consciousness god is called atman anywhere many many names even in greece uh in egypt they call it something else but they all refer to the same so i bring that in my sessions you know i, I help people to to connect with that and to trust that you are going to be okay right mm -hmm. a lot of people come with anxiety I, I want to specialize in that. I specialize in anxiety, depression, and panic attacks, and mind overthinking. A lot of fears people have. So it's all the mind, all the mind. Mm -hmm. So that's what I do. And in counseling, uh, people use cognitive behavioral therapy. I don't know if you're familiar with that because you have a psychology degree. Yeah, mm -hmm. so that's where I am going to, to be doing. Yeah, mm -hmm. cognitive behavioral therapy. And combined with other things, you know, other approaches like existential, you know, it's very important to, to, to be um, asking those existential questions, right? Like, what is my purpose in life? Where is my soul? Where, how do I connect with it? And how can it help me? I think it's really key, like you said, that people need to be ready to have those conversations and think about things in that way, to be able to undergo any change and whether they're going to have counseling or coaching or or whatever they need to be ready in themselves for that change um yeah what yeah what i think is really interesting in the in the uk within psychology so for psychologists there is a branch of counseling psychology and actually they refer to spiritual stuff so they talk about the social cultural um personal I think and spiritual background of people and so there is that view that we are spiritual and it's important but I'm not sure how much it's talked about in you know relation to um to the other areas but it's something I'm so interested in talking about because the whole name of this the podcast and, and what I do psyche with the k is the greek goddess psyche who was the goddess of the soul and the breath and the spirit or mind or however you want to talk about it and it's the root of the word psychology so it's definitely right <laughs> right up my street to, to talk about this and um and i think it is so important that this spiritual dimension is something that i agree definitely in the west we're sometimes a bit more separate from we keep it at arm's length a little bit but 
is something that I think that a lot of us are drawn to something spiritual throughout our lives and it's something that can give people a lot of comfort and a lot of meaning in their lives as well yeah absolutely and so when you have finished your your qualification and you have that as well how do you see your work changing if it if it will change how will you combine things then when you do have that professional mental health qualification I don't think it's going to change much because it's all related to coaching and mental health so at least my approach is not going to change much I, I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer of, of we are in constant evolution and change and I, I'm, I'm not afraid of, of change. I'm very flexible. I always go with the flow and, and I love trying new things, experimenting. I think it helps you know yourself better. Uh, and I, I, I'm a person who has no really a lot of fears, but of course I'm, I'm, I take smart risks, right? I inform myself and I, I reach out to people, to experts, and I make sure I'm doing the best for people also, right? Because providing a service, you, have to, you are responsible for, for clients and patients. And I think it will change in the sense of, I work for a nonprofit right now, we help uh, survivors of domestic violence and human rights violations and we have a shelter we have uh, legal services counseling services and social services and I, lo- I love that job it's, it's amazing also and it gave me also more flexibility to to do these masters so I am right now transitioning to doing with them uh, my internship and seeing clients in the office counseling. So the way it's gonna change is, is gonna be more formal, right? Being a licensed professional counselor, LPC, once I graduate and I pass the LPC exam, or the National Counselor's Examination. So it's gonna be way more more formal, you know, because I have to, to meet all the standards of ethics. And of course I do now, obviously, mm. because I'm prepared and um, I work with people for years and being a lawyer, I completely aware of that. But yeah, I mean, just if I have my private practice, which I want um, in, I don't know, within like two or three years, you have to be very careful with all of that, right? Like documentations, legal regulations of counselors and all of that. And I hope it gets busier, you know, like the more clients I have, yeah. But mm-hmm. I don't think it will change much on my approach mm-hmm. for now. Yeah, but I'm open to any growth and change that is needed. Yeah, I think it's, I guess when you're in private practice, you have that foundation from your qualification, but then you have that option to to personalize it and then bring other things in. And and I find it interesting to hear about the um, the qualification process in the US versus the UK. So, and it yeah. being, yeah, a bit different. Um, I don't know whether you've heard of mindfulness-based cognitive therapy, if that's something in the States as well as here. That's something I'm quite interested in as a, um, a, a blend possibly of some of that more Eastern philosophy and the cognitive behavioral approach. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, yes, for sure. That is the, the best uh, approach for me. Yeah, when I discovered mindfulness-based cognitive behavioral, it's like, ah, oh, this is for me. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is a lot of training on that, continuing education and specialization certificate that, that one can do here in the United States, I don't know, even in England. 
but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's great because it incorporates that exactly what you said, the uh, Eastern philosophy aspect of mindfulness and being self-aware of your thoughts, of your emotions. And yeah, it's fantastic. And I have uh, done extensive training on that, being a yoga teacher and a meditation practitioner. And um, it's amazing. It's incredible. When you keep that space between your mind and your feelings and you notice, you, you become the witness, the witness, the observer of your thoughts. That is mindfulness. It's like a step back. Instead of getting over-involved, over-concerned with the thoughts, you know, as you know, our brain produces or our mind 60,000 thoughts or more every day. And most of them are useless. This is based on a research that was done on the brain. Useless. They, they are not, not useful at all. So, so a lot of people ask me, but does that mean that if I don't think, if I don't create thoughts or if I ignore them, how am I going to accomplish things? You know, a lot of people in the West think that way. How am I going to graduate? How am I going to study or work? So, so no, the thing is that you use your mind when you need to, to perform intellectual tasks, like making a decision, working, studying. But once you're done with that task, uh, you step back and you don't use your mind all the time. So this is really a skill, but you have to work the muscle. You know, you have to work that muscle of, okay, I'm using my mind now, but once I'm done, I'm stepping back. And I am that spirit, right? That soul grounded. And that is very important, Hannah, because, for example, let's say right now with the um, uh, coronavirus panic that we are having mm -hmm. right now, and it's not the first time in the world that this happens. It's not going to be the last time. And I feel very worried about people who panic. You know, we are seeing sometimes right now in the news, people fighting with each other, maybe some racial attacks on Asian-looking people and uh, people hoarding things from the grocery store. Uh, it's okay to prepare for something if you need to stay at home, of course, but, but that's exactly where spiritual grounding is so important. It's not only important for mental health, but to save the evolution of our species, to save our species, because we're going to, end up killing each other if we don't take that groundness in our soul. You know, like everything is gonna be okay. There's no need to panic. You know, if this is, if this is something that's gonna happen, we are gonna do our best not to, but if something happens, it is your destiny, right? If it's time to go, it's time to go. And we mm. see that as such a, a fearful experience, right? When what it really is, is a transition of your soul from this body. So over-identification with the body, survival, competition, aggression, violence, all of that has to go. There is no space anymore for that. So that's part of your mental health, you know, that awareness of, I am in this with all my fellow human beings. I am not alone. It, this, this is not just for me, this world is for everyone. So what can I do to help my friends, my brothers, my sisters, not not to fight or get into panic or racial attacks because you're going to die, you know, which probably you're not going to die. You know, everything is going to be okay. Yeah. So I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, well, I think that's possibly some of that Eastern philosophy coming in because I think the Western approach is much more individual, isn't it? It's that kind of 
me, 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 and competition and and bringing in that that community and that that caring element um, is really important and about how we're all connected. And I mean, I don't know how things are where you are at the moment, but you know, I'm seeing things on the news that in the UK there is some panic buying. But what's really nice is uh, I was out Friday night for a meal. I was out at the theatre yesterday, and it was just normal. There were queues of people. It was busy, and I think we're a bit. Um, the British are a little bit no nonsense sometimes as well. <laughs> we're not going to let stuff stop us. We're just going to do it, and we're a little bit antisocial, I think, as well. So we're not as tactile as some other places. So I think we're a little bit used to keeping to ourselves and um, not t- touching people anyway. But we have unfortunately had some racial incidents, like you said, and some examples of <coughs> the hoarding. But um, Yes, we're like this weird mix of caring about ourselves, but also caring about other people. But I do think, like you said, it's really important. And there was something that I saw about people hoarding, buying soap. And it was this idea that actually, if you buy all the soap, you need other people to wash their hands as well, because (laughs) that's how things would stop spreading. If you're just looking after yourself and you're thinking, I'm going to have all the soap, that doesn't solve the problem in any way (laughs) it compounds it yeah. it just is a really simple demonstration of actually it is a collective thing and that we need to work together and and be in it together and I think sometimes that's that's something that we need reminding of um in our cultures where we have got this individual competition focused culture yeah, yeah exactly yeah that, that's what yoga teaches us yoga philosophy that we are all interconnected it's, it's true. We are all coming from the same source, source, source energy, whatever you call it. And it's undeniable. And also, um, you know, respect for all kinds of lives, you know, respect for animals. Uh, that is a big thing in Eastern philosophy. A lot of people don't eat meat and respect animals. They don't even kill animals to eat the meat. You know, they try to go as low in the chain as possible for survival and that's a whole on, another topic, right? But, but uh, you know, it's, it's true. We have to reflect. This is a moment of reflection, right? Because we know that uh, the SARS virus and, and I think there's a late six virus that is lethal from um, uh, animals, from horses. And these virus right now came from animals, wildlife, in contact with human beings. And this is maybe a message for us to respect life to respect animals you know you cannot just in the kill animals um without any consequences they they also have a soul and they also are interconnected to us there that's undeniable yeah mm-hmm. and borders are fictitious you know we are all together in this world and viruses don't respect border borders and we are seeing them. yeah absolutely yeah. i think I think it is a reminder because I think there is a danger at the moment that we're becoming more polarized and more us and them and that, you know, and I think Brexit is, a, I don't want to get into that, but an example oh, yeah. of that, that thing. But actually, if you think about the issues that we face as a species with climate change and now with the coronavirus, like you said, borders don't matter. It is a collective thing. And if we get too focused on that, basically imaginary line that someone's drawn at some point in history actually we need to be working together so it's 
I mean, that's a whole other thing that we can really yes, get into, yeah. but it does demonstrate that we, we are, yeah, a collective and, and about that need to, to look after each other. I also wanted to pick up on the mindfulness thing that we were talking about and that idea of when you're doing activities that engaging your mind a little bit and then when you're not doing it, kind of coming back to being present. And something that I've noticed with myself, and I don't know if you've seen this, is if I am trying to write something, for example, because I'm studying at the moment as well, and if I'm trying to write and I'm in a mindful place and I'm just present and I just kind of let it happen, it's a lot more effective and better quality than if I'm too much in my thoughts because then I'm worrying about what it sounds like and I'm thinking about it too much. Whereas if I can actually just be a bit more present, turn off the thinking and just kind of let it happen, I produce much better stuff. And I don't know if you've, if you've seen that as well, that the thoughts sometimes get in the way because they're criticizing it and they're thinking, oh, that doesn't sound very good and the worry about what it sounds like. But being present, it just, it's coming from somewhere in there, but that dialogue switched off. Sure. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, that happens to many, many people. You know, we refer to it as a mind chatter, the voices in my head, I cannot stop thinking, anxiety, uh, panic attacks, excessive worry. That is the number one mental health issue of most people that come to counseling and then uh, yeah, it's it's terrible. It's it's not a way of living, really. I I feel you know my heart goes to people because life is incredible. It's so precious, you know. Even with its challenges and difficulties, there's really uh, amazing things in life. And when you have excessive thoughts, it, that that doesn't let you be yourself and, and enjoy life and be present. Yeah. Like you said, um, when you are present, you really tap into that source of energy and you forget about the past and the future. It's just this moment. That's, that's what it is, presence, self-awareness, yeah. It's, um, you know, a lot of people ask me sometimes, where do my thoughts come from? Like, why can I cannot stop them? How do I control my mind? And I have studied different answers, right? A lot of people say uh, just... Uh, ignore your past, don't even bring it up anymore. But there's also a danger to be suppressing your emotions. You have to talk about something that happened in your life, something bad, a bad experience. Yes, talk about it, get it out, process it. But once you do that with a professional, try to leave it behind, put it aside, because that's not who you are. You are consciousness, pure light, soul, spirit. And until people understand that and believe it and experience it, because that's what you have to do, experience it. What do I mean by that? Like, you have to feel it. Because if I tell you, you're going to say, yeah, yeah, that sounds beautiful, but I don't feel it. So I, I try to help people feel it, experience it. And yoga and meditation are so far the best tools for human beings to be, to be provided to, to achieve that goal. And um, yeah, so that is a technique to, to just quiet your mind. And the more you do it, the more, the more you practice, right? Like I, I, I like to compare the mind with, um, with um, a cookie monster, right? From Sesame Street, mm -hmm. I mean, many, many years ago, let's say like a blue monster and all he wants is cookies. 
so that is the mind the mind is really not your friend you have to see the mind as something to be careful with right like don't give cookies to the monster because the more cookies you give to the mind you're fueling these thoughts and worries and so it's it's yeah very important to practice to be present mm. and let them go let the thoughts pass like clouds you know like a lot of uh like clouds form from um water condensed water going into the atmosphere from water in in surrounded areas so that's how thoughts come from they come from nowhere they they just generate like clouds it's exactly the same process that's the best explanation scientists are able to give and spiritual teachers so once the clouds form they can be very stormy black create a lot of storms or just passing clouds very wide and light so those are your thoughts that you generate and you just have to watch them pass and not engage in them and make a snowball effect of worries and tension. Mm -hmm. And also, there is something very important in Indian philosophies that explain the subconscious. And these are the samskaras, it's called in Sanskrit. And these are your subconscious thoughts that also fuel your thoughts. So you have to really learn a lot of these to understand how your mind works, right? And the subconscious thoughts come from past experiences, memories, and even other lives, you know, if you believe in other lives. And that explains a lot about the subconscious. So that's why a lot of people have thoughts that they cannot even explain and not, they cannot stop. They can't, but they haven't learned how to. So yeah, the subconscious has a lot to do with with your thought process yeah absolutely and um there was something i was gonna say about what you're saying but it's gone that thought's gone Ooh, the cloud <laughs> is gone Cloud's gone. <laughs> uh, i have another one there's <laughs> another cloud yeah. following it um and it was uh, another um analogy that i really like about about the thoughts and uh sometimes our desire to try and control them or stop them or or cling on to them and and it's this idea of traffic going past on the road and all the cars are thoughts and if you get into the middle of the road and you're trying to stop them or cling on to them it's just not going to work but you can just kind of sit by the side of the road and just watch them go by and I think in in meditation that's part of it is about that isn't it it's about you know not stopping the thoughts coming up but just sort of acknowledging them and not chasing after them not trying to yeah stop them cling on to them just observing them and being aware and then coming back to whatever you're focusing on um and i find in in my own yoga practice but also exercise um, in general that it really helps me still my mind because if i'm really concentrating on not falling over then i have to be present because i don't have time for the thoughts because you know i'm so aware of what my body is doing and it's it's a really nice way of grounding and quieting that, that chatter. Yeah, it's, it's fabulous. There is a reason why yoga has survived for 5,000 years or maybe more. And we are, we are now just really understanding. We are beginning to understand the benefits of yoga, meditation, and mindfulness. And in, in Eastern philosophies, they have understood these Many, many, many years ago, yeah, they knew because they dedicated their life to inner exploration. So they understand completely. They understand the mind 
you understand the soul, how it interacts, and how techniques to quiet the mind and connect with your inner being. And I think it's it's probably really important and to highlight to people listening that when we're talking about yoga, it's not just about the postures, which I think in, in Western society, when you say yoga, people think about the poses. And actually, it is so much more than that. So I don't know if you can just do um, a brief little yoga chat for anyone who's listening who's like, well, isn't it just holding some postures about some of the other things that are also part of yoga? Sure. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. Yes, yoga, the word yoga means union. And it is a science, it is a method, and it's, it's a huge science. So let's, let's take, uh, let's imagine that yoga is an umbrella, big umbrella, and, or a tree, a tree. And all the branches of yoga are different yogas. So what we call yoga in the West, we just inherited or adopted the yoga of exercise. And that's been very popular, which is fantastic, but it's just a small percentage of what yoga is in the, in the East. So in the East, they talk, there, there are different yoga schools and different philosophies and schools of thought, but they all go to the same essence, right? The, the yoga is union. So what yoga provides is tools to help you uh, become one again. Because they say that when you adopt this physical body, when your soul comes to this world from source energy and adopts this body, there is a disconnect, obviously, because you are now in human form. And the union refers to that, to go back to that essence who is your soul and yourself, your true self, the light of consciousness. It has so many names, it's amazing. It's just uh, expressed in different concepts, the same concept in different ways. So we have in the East, uh, karma yoga, karma yoga, they call it when people uh, realize, um, provide a lot of service to others, unselfish uh, dedication to others. It could be helping in your community, uh, donating things, uh, making time for your family, relatives, elderly, children, whatever, whatever it is that is a selfless action, really um, uninterested they call it like that, uninterested work for others. So that is called karma yoga because it's going to help you connect more with your soul. So that's one way of achieving this union. The other way of achieving this union or connecting with your soul is through the yoga of knowledge. It's called yana yoga. And uh, that is studying, reading, having a guru, a teacher, asking questions, understanding all these concepts that's another way to achieve this union with your soul of your the light of consciousness and also there is um the yoga of devotion is called bhakti yoga in sanskrit and this is where uh, people uh just pray pray talk to your chosen god or goddess or deity or symbol whatever you want to pray to and prayer is, is called mantras in Sanskrit, in India. And it's really magical. This is where we get all this music and mantras and songs and lyrics. And, and it's, it's a beautiful language. It's a, it's a sacred language in Sanskrit. Every word has a meaning and is believed to be sacred. And it's beautiful. So it connects you with, with that 
essence of yourself, your consciousness, and God, whatever you want to think about as God. So you can really apply all of these to your own religions, you know. Mm -hmm. um, what else? Uh, there is another yoga, um, uh, the yoga of meditation. That's another Gyana yoga school in some traditions. And um, that's another way to achieve this union through meditation. And then you also have Ayurveda, which uh, they say that it, it got separated from yoga. So you have the big two branches of this science, but they should have never been separated. They say it's the same thing. So Ayurveda, uh, it's called Ayurveda in, in India, it's the science of life. That's what it means, the science of life. And it teaches you to uh, know your true nature, your akriti, your essence, and your constitution, your mind constitution, your physical constitution. And it involves a lot of nutrition. You know, what do you need to eat according to your mental and physical constitution and exercise, it's a whole lifestyle program, Ayurveda. There are actually courses, certifications on how to become an Ayurveda counselor or lifestyle coach. And I, I studied that also. I got a certification. It's amazing. Amazing. Mm -hmm. It's so much knowledge that it's like, I'm not going to have time in this life to learn all of these. It's incredible. So yeah, yoga is a vast science with many different branches that help people this is personal development that's that's what yoga is it's not exercise only it's personal development for personal growth self-realization and what i mean by self-realization is realizing yourself your soul your true self absolutely and and i'm really glad that, i mean that was an amazing explanation so thank you for that but i'm really glad that you pointed out that it's not specific to just one religion as an approach. So if you have your own personal faith, you can practice yoga. And if you're dedicating it to a deity, it's just your chosen deity. Because I know uh, some people that I know that that's something that sometimes puts them off. It's this idea of, well, I have my own religion. I don't want to, um, yeah, get drawn into something. But actually in itself, like you said, it's that science. It's about self-development and so you can use it as a um, a way of developing yourself a way of reaching union a way of connecting with your own deity that, that you recognize so thank you so much for pointing that out perfect I have uh, one more question for you before I dive into my my general questions for everyone yes and and it's really I'm just a bit nosy to be honest um <laughs> so I would love yeah. to know about for yourself if you have a daily yoga based or Ayurvedic based practice that you use to develop yourself, keep yourself grounded that you do daily, weekly, just what that looks like. Yes. Yes. Um, so I, I practice yoga as much as I can. I don't obsess too much with having um, specific days and I have to do one hour of meditation every day, you know, I, I'm not like that. I try to do it when I feel like it. Mm -hmm. But also I, I always keep in mind the importance of discipline because if you really want to grow spiritually and personally, you have to have some discipline, you know, some routine so you can really get good at it. So I try to maintain a balance between that and being more organic. So what I usually do, I don't know if you can see, but I have uh, here an altar that I call it. I love my altar. 
and you can see some pictures behind me and this is where I get grounded every morning and every night. So I have incense right here and I come and light up an incense. I wake up like around 5.30 in the morning or 6, it depends. Um, and I come here, I put some incense and I ring a little bell that I got in India. And that's my way of calling the, the souls that I feel connected to, either in this life or other lives. And I thank life for being awake one more day because a lot of people don't awake from their sleep, you know? A lot of people don't leave another day. Millions of people around the world, so we take it for granted. And just sets you in a very positive mood to start your day. And I, di I didn't do this before, but I have been doing it for several years, like 10 years maybe, and I love it. So I do that, and I do some tea, some chai Indian style tea, and I have a beautiful window, and I see the sunrise. I have no buildings uh, in my window in front of me, so I can see the beautiful sun. I'm in the city, I live in downtown Dallas, so um, I'm lucky not to have any building in front. I love that. So I just see the sun coming up and the sun for me is my planet in Vedic astrology. The sun is always there present. And uh, it's just, you know, the sun can be even a goddess or a god for people, you know, and it gives us life. And without the sun, we will perish in a few hours. Like if the sun doesn't rise anymore, goes away from the universe, life would not be sustainable in this world for a few hours. I think it's like, in 10, 16 hours, everything will be starting to froze. So things like that, we don't think, and it's true. So I think that, and then I get ready. I, I take like an hour, an hour and a half for myself, and I just sip my tea and think. And that's a, a type of meditation, right? It's just uh, self-inquiry, um, introspection, just receiving the day slowly, no rush, no anxiety, no thoughts. And sometimes I get my phone and I watch some videos on spiritual talks of people that I admire and respect. And that sets me in my day. And then throughout the day, I try to keep this in mind, you know, be present, choose my words carefully, think before talking, uh, not taking things personal, just be very light, Try to be a light for others, you know, a good presence. Um, I'm not always successful, but I try, you know, and it really makes a difference. And this goes back to what we were talking about, the corporate environment. It really influences your life and your mood. So the people I work with are amazing people. They are dedicated to helping refugees, immigrants, human rights uh, people, and their heart is in the right place. They are not there for the money. They are not there for ambition. They are there to help, to serve. And mm -hmm. it really makes a difference in your life because I work with them every day. And I love them. It's like my family. And mm -hmm. anyway, so I diverge. But that is really important to set your day. Mm -hmm. And choose your job. Choose your friends. Choose your circle of people. You, you have this power. You don't have to be miserable in a job where people treat you bad. You know, a lot of people get stuck in that and that really sets you back in your personal growth and spiritual grounding. And then at night I come back, get here, get comfortable in my pants or whatever and do the same, light a, a candle, uh, incense, ring the bell, 
say thank you and and also I get very inspired with the pictures I don't know if you can see them but I have mm -hmm. uh, uh, I have uh, Albert Einstein Gandhi mm -hmm. and Swami Vivekananda Ji he was the first monk in India to come to the U.S. to teach yoga philosophy the first one ever in the world amazing person and he was uh, the uh, student of uh, Sri Ramakrishna, which is uh, God of reincarnation, considered mm -hmm. a holy man in, in India. Anyway, uh, I talk a lot about all of these, but you can see. And I also have uh, Martin Luther King and mm -hmm. Nelson Mandela because I think they were great souls. Um, they uh, served others. They did all the, the yogas that we spoke about, the karma mm -hmm. yoga, service to others. Bhakti yoga, they were very spiritual. They did um, the yoga of meditation. You know, they did a lot of introspection and self-awareness. And they were amazing souls that helped human beings in distress and changed the world. They changed the world. So that's why they are in my altar. Mm -hmm. So that's what I do every day. Awesome. And I think um, having those images to remind you of people that almost coming back to like a psychology point of view, almost like a role model of people who've exemplified this, uh, this path or um, this approach to living. And I think it's also really key when you said about you know, the people you surround yourself with, whether it's the work, friends, and that I guess the energy that you get from them, because if it's a negative space, then that's the energy that, that you're getting, which can be quite intense. If you're surrounding yourself with positive people, then I guess it's easier in yourself to be able to to do that as well and stay present because you're not having to fight against this negative uh, energy around you. Yeah. 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 So I have some set questions I ask everyone that comes on the podcast. Okay. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on these. So my first one is what always boosts your mood? What brings you joy in your life? Wow. What brings me joy in my life? Mm -hmm. You know, I am a lonely person, like uh, by choice. I love being with myself and it, it's part of my spiritual practice to always take time for yourself. And that really grounds me and makes, brings me joy. Uh, being with people that I love and admire also brings me a lot of joy. But I'm a, I'm, I'm a lot about introspection, connecting with your soul, with your being. And I do that when I'm alone. And for me, uh, my home, uh, being alone, it's, it's a sanctuary. It's like uh, immense peace and silence and quietness. And sometimes I wonder if, if there is a purpose for it. You know, it's like, wow, I can do anything I want in the world. And this is amazing. So I really, it gives me a lot of joy to have this freedom. You know, it may sound selfish for some people, but, but I dedicate a lot of my time to others as well. So I don't think it's the selfish, it's just part of my sadhana, my practice, my spiritual practice to, to be with myself. And that brings me joy, brings me peace. And I feel like I'm making progress on the spiritual path. And many people, you know, that, that also come to coaching and counseling, they feel lonely very lonely. I'm, I'm uh, part of a group on Facebook where uh, people share their mental health issues. And I'm amazed at how many people feel lonely, isolated. They don't have friends. They don't have relatives. They are single or maybe divorced or widow, widowers. 
But yeah, I mean, if there is a message that I can give to people to have joy in their lives is to tap into your soul. You know, don't expect to get happiness and joy from outside. Everything is inside of you. And when I really realized that, when I learned that, my life completely changed. Yes, I, I, I always been like this since I was little, like more like a loner and independent and all of that. But now I'm really, really using it, really experiencing it. And it brings me a lot of joy. Yeah. And I imagine it also helps you to, to show up for other people. So when you are being there for other people by having this time to ground and look after yourself and develop yourself, allows you to you know to really show up for people and really support them because yeah you you're looking after yourself yeah absolutely absolutely you really hit the nail in the head because one a part of being a good counselor good coach good psychologist any mental health provider is to be present yourself first be grounded and being um centered in that that energy source and and you project that it is not possible to help others even in uh, other fields if you are not grounded and you're not at peace and you have that that peacefulness inside i don't think it's possible because you project an anxious energy otherwise if you are not really grounded or you are not really present and we feel that people can feel when you are not present Mm. When you are completely present for others and you have no thoughts in your mind that are interfering, that energy just flows through, flows through. And it can be a very positive energy, very nice energy, or a very anxious energy, you know, very mm. fearful. And I want to finish this session, you know, watching yeah. the clock. So, yeah, completely. It's absolutely true what you said. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so my next question is, what makes life meaningful for you? What makes life meaningful to me? Mm -hmm. Doing things for others. Yeah. Doing, doing things for yourself and for others. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you have to feel full yourself inside and then give to others. But uh, because the, the meaning of interconnection is really what gives meaning to life. Yeah, mm -hmm. interconnection. And the mystery of life is amazing. You know, it's, it's incredible that we don't know everything. We don't understand the mystery of life yet. And that in itself is magical. It's like the mystery. But we know there's something there. We know there's something precious, amazing, eternal, uncorruptible, pure, that light of consciousness. So that is the meaning of life. And looking into your purpose you know what is your purpose in life why, why are you here in, in indian philosophy they they believe that everybody is here for self-realization that's the only goal right self-realization knowing your soul uh but also give back right help others give others help pull people up don't push people down all of that gives meaning to my life thank you my next one is uh, kind of two questions um, because we talk a lot about mental wellness on the podcast. So the first question is, what does mental wellness mean to you? And the second is how you look after your own mental well-being. Mental wellness to me is when your mind is working for yourself 
you are not a slave of your mind or your emotions. So that is mental health, mental wellness. When your mind is helping you, your mind is working for you, you are making it work for you. So your mind is your slave. You're not slave to your mind. And that is completely possible. It's achievable. That's, that's exactly what I, what I do and help people realize that everybody can do it. Yeah, to, to have that grounding in, in techniques of psychology and spirituality. So that's, that's mental health, in my opinion. And um, so it's not bad to have thoughts or emotions, right? It's actually good because when you suffer in life, when you feel a lot of emotions and you go through challenges, that helps you grow. So it's not bad. What is bad is that you get stuck all your life in negative thinking, negative thinking, negative emotions, surrounding yourself with negative people, toxic people. That is completely the wrong path. So that's not going to help you achieve mental wellness, mental health. Um, and the other question was, how do you look after you for mental health? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, well, same things, you know. Um, first of all, don't be afraid of change. If something is not working, change it. That's my mojo. If something is not working, change it. Don't be afraid of change. Uh, don't be afraid of life. Don't be afraid. Leave. Experiment. T take care of yourself. Be careful. Don't hurt others in the process or yourself. But don't be afraid. And always think, what is the worst thing that can happen? What is the worst thing that can happen? And there's always a plan A or a plan B and a plan C. There's always alternatives. Mm -hmm. So just enjoy your life. Go after things that you want. Don't be afraid. And that is part of mental health because sometimes I think people are slaves of social conditioning. You know, that's one of my big things, social conditioning. Really think about, is this really what I want? what my soul wants, or is this what I'm doing, whatever it is you're doing, um, having a partner or living in a, in a specific place or having a job, is this really what I want or is it imposed on me because I have to, hmm. right? Those questions are crucial to mental health and there are tools, you know, and this is what we call self-inquiry, right? Like what is my soul telling me? What do I really want? What is my gut feeling? Where do I want to go? And not listen so much to society and family and relatives and friends because sometimes family, family is great. You know, I'm from Mexico and family is very valuable as, uh, in Latino cultures. But sometimes they are very obsessive and absorbent. You know, they don't let you be yourself. They mm -hmm. think you, you have to be like they think you have to be and a very conservative cultures sometimes group cultures don't make a lot of emphasis on individuality individualism in the sense of growing on your own following your own path so that's how that's why i i suggest to people who are listening uh, for mental health uh, do self-reflection introspection you know learn how to control your negative thoughts, how to handle your mind, know the mind, know how it works, understand it and conquer it. Don't fight with it because your mind is going to win. It's always going to be there lurking in the dark, like 
did you call me? No, 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 you'll go away. So just learning those things is tools, very valuable tools. Yoga, meditation are incredibly valuable tools to mental health absolutely. and physical Thank health. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So uh, the other thing that we talk about a lot is mindset. And, and we've definitely touched on this and about our thoughts and, and our outlook and, and the impact that has. So are you able to describe your mindset? All right. Good questions. Um, you know, at this point in my life, Hannah, I am really trying to pursue the spiritual path in a more mature way, more formal, more dedicated. And once you understand the workings of the mind and the mind-body-soul connection, the mindset doesn't matter anymore. Like the, the goal is to suppress the mind. Don't, don't let the mind dominate your world, the mind or, or the body. And always come to this centered, the light of consciousness. And consciousness has no mind. Because when you, when you focus too much on your mindset, your personality, like define, and it doesn't define me, right? Because mind changes. Maybe my mindset today is very upbeat, Maybe tomorrow I'm a little sad. So mind changes. So obviously my mindset is I'm, I'm a very positive person. I've always been very positive. I always expect the best from others and from me. And, and not in a, in, a, in a competitive way, but in a positive action life, right? Like positive action circle. Like your thoughts affect your emotions and your emotions affect, affect your actions and who you are. So my mindset is, is positive, is, is hopeful. I always have hope in humanity, hope in the world. But I don't give too much importance to that because uh, when you give too much weight to the mind, to personality, like who is Claudia in the personality, that changes constantly. So don't trust your mind or your personality. Trust your inner being. Amazing. Thank you for that. Yeah. My next question, I feel like you've already uh, done this one a little bit, but maybe we can just uh, summarize a little bit. So I ask all of our guests to leave the listeners with between one and three strategies or techniques they can put in place in their life that are going to have a massive impact. So can you think of one to three things that you would suggest that, that people do? Yes. First, don't be afraid of anything get rid of fear fear is the number one block for self-realization and happiness do whatever you need to get rid of your fears uh, see a professional uh, talk therapy or whatever therapy and um, just try to to discover what is the source of your fear and get rid of them you're going to feel liberated and that uh, will set the ground for uh, number two, probably my advice would be to not neglect your spiritual aspect, right? And when you are grounded in this spirituality, uh, it's going to help you with everything else. It's going to help you get rid of your fears. You're going to feel this peace that everything is okay. Everything is the way it is for a reason, as painful as it may be. Stay strong, right? And believe in yourself. That's another advice that I always tell people. Believe in yourself. And we hear that a lot and we put it aside, but really think about it. Believe in yourself, your true self. 
and your true self is your soul right your spirit your light consciousness so always go back to that in any situation and ground yourself in that and a third advice i would give to people is to maybe go in nature you know sometimes we're so disconnected from nature um we we live in an office all the time in an apartment or a home surrounded by electronics and uh, rushing and so take care of yourself and be in contact with nature it's it's healing it's grounding walk on the grass barefoot you know uh, take time for yourself no phones no internet no people just connect be around trees it's there's a lot of energy in nature that we are just not doing and that it's very important for health mental health balance well-being and physical health Amazing. Thank you for those. Yeah. And then my last question is if people want to connect with you online, if they're interested in working with you or finding out more about what you do, where can they find you? You can find me in, uh, online. My website is inner-wellbeing.com. Inner and wellbeing is all together. And I'm also on Instagram, um, inner wellbeing all together, and um, uh, Facebook inner well-being and uh twitter and uh, my phone is uh email address is on the, on the website and uh i have a youtube channel also if you want to see my my video lectures i talk a lot about these uh, spirituality and mental health and that's inner well-being all together so you can find me there and uh I also um, I work with a clinic in India, so I have an office over there, so I'll, I'll come and go uh, maybe like three times a year, two times a year if I have time. And I do also coaching sessions there, yoga classes, meditation, and Ayurveda with the clinic in Goa. We have three locations, and the addresses are all in my website. And that's it. That's how you can reach me. Perfect. And we can put links in the show notes as well so people that can find you easily and in all those places thank, thank you, you hannah yeah thank you so so much claudia i mean i could i know we've gone i gave you a rough time and we've gone way over which is fine because i could just talk to you all day probably about this <laughs> it's been <laughs> yeah it's been so interesting and i and i've really enjoyed connecting with you and, and hearing about how you're blending these um all these different things together and and personally i find it super interesting because psychology and yoga and, and everything as part of my life as well so it's been really interesting hearing about um, your work so thank you so much for joining yes me. my pleasure thank you for collaborating and congratulations on your podcast and connecting people to talk about all of these very important mental health and psychology and, and a little bit of yoga spirituality thank you so much hannah So thank you again to Claudia for joining me and I really enjoyed this conversation. Yoga is something that I have practiced and been um, yeah, exploring I guess for, for a number of years and I got my yoga qualification last year although to be honest I've not really done anything with that qualification <laughs> since getting it but uh, it's just really interesting to talk about a lot of different topics because that's what we're about here. It's giving you lots and lots of different ideas and there may have been things from today that resonated with you and that you want to try out um there may be things that didn't and that's absolutely fine there may be things that work for you and things that don't and again you know we're all individuals 
and that's why we just bring you a whole range of voices and ideas so that you can try things out for yourself. And one of the things that I found quite interesting editing this episode back, because we we recorded this, as you all have heard, we mentioned coronavirus and COVID, but this was very much at the beginning. Uh, and I mentioned having gone out for food into the theatre. So this was before lockdown, um, probably a week and a half, I think, before we went into lockdown that we recorded this episode. And so I found it really interesting going back through to think about how things change over time and yeah how situations change and evolve so yeah I I found that that really interesting so if you were listening to that and thinking why is she even at the theatre um it was pre-lockdown so yeah and if you are interested in exploring kind of more spiritual well-being uh, areas then obviously you can connect with Claudia and we are also for one final week selling access to the replays of the virtual well-being events Again, 50% going to support two amazing mental health charities, Mind and the Samaritans. And so we're going to take it off sale on the 26th of June uh, because this this episode is coming out on the 17th. But from the 22nd, it is Wellbeing Week. So obviously I will be talking about wellbeing. But I thought this episode is diving into spiritual wellbeing. And actually, Claudia shares a lot about her, her personal self-care um routine daily routine that she has so I thought it would be fun to get this one out before well-being week to give you some more ideas of things to try and to really yeah spend next week focusing on well-being and I uh, as I said on Instagram Monday this week I am really refocusing on exercise and nutrition because as I've said before exercise is so good for my mental health but with lockdown and my loss of routine I've struggled to um to stick to it and I've definitely been feeling the impact and I've slipped back into kind of comfort eating chocolate a little bit um and so actually I haven't been feeling that great um because I haven't been focusing on those aspects of my self-care and as we as we said about self-care it's very broad there are there are different dimensions and it's about kind of looking after your whole self uh, not just in one particular area. So I've been catching up on sleep, which has been great. I have been connecting with people, which has been great. I have been focusing on psyche and feeling you know, purposeful, which has been great. And they're all parts of your well-being. But these other areas have, to an extent, been sacrificed uh, for, the, for the expense of those areas I've just mentioned. So I'm refocusing this week on that aspect of my well-being. Uh, so if you're listening to this and you've also got areas of your well-being that you've maybe not been focusing on so much, then maybe for next week, for well-being week, having a week of really focusing on adding that back in and, and finding a bit more balance and calm and or, or energy and connection, however, however that looks for you. But just thinking about your well-being as a whole and thinking about what you can do to prioritize your self-care so for one final week you get access to the replays and the last thing that I want to say is that you can now support the podcast on Patreon so we are committed to staying ad-free but we want to continue to bring you great content so if you enjoy the podcast it would be amazing if you would become a patron and support us and you will get access to bonus episodes 
and get to have a real input into the the direction the podcast goes and, and the kind of content that we cover and other bonuses as well so if you head to patreon.psychewellbeing and you can become a patron on there um and as always if you have enjoyed this episode we would love it if you would rate and review and share it with someone who you think would benefit from hearing the the messages that we're sharing so yeah that's everything for this week so thank you again to claudia for joining us and i'll be back next week with the amazing sheila k i had a fantastic conversation with sheila and i can't wait to share that with you so yeah i just hope you have a good week that you are kind to yourself that you're meeting yourself where you are and you are taking care of yourself and as it is well-being week obviously starting from the 22nd but i mean it's always well-being week here at psyche um so yeah look after yourself and uh, take care and i'll see you next week bye